my thing is what I've realized I've got, I have a lot of like observations. I thought about doing a thing called weekly observations, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, let me start out with and we're back again. Shocking, I'm sure. Three weeks in a row. This is Midweek Menches. This week, I'm joined by the lovely Allie. How are you this evening? Hello, hello. I am great. Hope everybody is well. And the fantastic and always prompt Mayor Matt. How are you, and Mayor? lovely as well. Doing great, Aunt. Great to see you uh, both and uh, ready to get at it. It's been a fun week. All right. Well, then let's go, Mayor. All right. You know, occasionally on the Lauer After Hours family of podcasts, occasionally somebody will bring up something that might not be very optimistic, a little, a little more pessimism or critical of the show. Not here on Midweek Benches. We don't never on do. Midweek Benches. Never. never. We never, love never, the never, show never. here on Midweek Benches. But no there, was, there, there was an event that happened this week. It was during the Ron McGill segment. I don't want to give away too much, but it, it inspired me to sit back and reflect of the top five things that I will never tire of on the show. And when I made this list, there's actually one of them that happened on Wednesday's show, even though I made this list either Monday or Tuesday. Actually, it was Tuesday. So without further ado, the top five things that I never tire of on the show. Number five is an appearance by Poppy. And that happened on the Wednesday show. And again, that was absolutely delightful just to have him Chime in every now and then. Number four is the Chris Whittingham is a fancy lad sounder that was made by our friend Andrew Streeter. I just I can't get enough of that. That when they whenever they mix that in, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Number three is the chaotic Billy, who's had a fantastic week of shows once again. But whenever he breaks into what do you mean or how so, it just it makes my heart warm because he's he's you can tell he's in his element and he's creating that chaos because he says something outlandish. They come back at him and it's like, well, what do you mean? Like, there's no way to answer that without buying into the the contrivance of anarchy that he's created. Number two is Roy's laugh. Doesn't happen as often as I would like, but Roy has got a phenomenal laugh. And the one thing you do know about it is that it is authentic. He doesn't do it just for show. So when he really gets tickled, you know, something really good has happened. And I just, I love Roy's laugh. Number one, which was the inspiration for the list was during the Ron McGill segment. And he kept on talking about the alligators and they, he kept on using the word splash and that sounder of splash every single time. I, as perhaps my most, obviously it's number one on the list. I will never get tired of every time somebody anywhere, regardless of the situation says splash and they play the splash sounder. It absolutely just gets me. So I don't know if there's anything that you feel that amorous towards that would make your list of things that you would never tire of hearing on the show. So I thought you had a really good list Mir. I, I liked uh, some of what you had. I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan also um, of when Poppy shows up because it's just it can go, it can be a good segment. It can be an off the wall segment. He can talk somewhat seriously. He can talk completely off the wall. And the slash part for that with me is what I hear out of Dan and the way Dan is just like, you can see through the podcast, the smile on Dan's face. 
not that he can bring his dad on because whatever, but that he like the happiness he gets from that, for, from from his father and, and what's going on there. So that for me would also be my number five. For me, my number four is the Billy Chaos. Because I just love, I feel like especially in the last three to six months, Billy is just so leaned into aggravating Dan with his taking the show off the track. The whole thing talking about how Babe Ruth would suck. Just like, even though Dan was somewhat agreeing with him, just the way they just take the show and they're going here. And next thing you know, they're someplace else, you know, to use a baseball term, out in left field. So for me, number four would be would be that. Number three is Amin doing breakfast flan. I love when he sings it. I know they play that sometimes as a rejoin, but I just love Amin's sort of passion for somewhat, I mean, very Miami, very Cuban, but a somewhat nondescript sort of something that most of us have probably not had more than once or twice, if you've had it at all. Um, and again, it, it's sort of a theme you're probably seeing from everything I've had to say is the passion behind the person doing whatever it is they're doing and how much they really are enjoying what they're doing. Number two for me is when Chris criticizes his dad. When Chris like goes, dad, come on, what the heck are you like? I just love how much Chris, again, it's based out of love, similar to Dan and Poppy, but it's also based out of, come on, like, really, like, you're going to talk about, you know, you won baseball, like you went to see them more than once in your whole life. Come on. What are you talking about, dad? Come on. And then for me, number one is (laughs) bring Greg's wife on. And they call her up and they talk about whatever it is we're talking about or whatever topic is. And it's not something that happens often. But again, she just seems happy to talk to Dan about the idiosyncrasies and the stupidities while also loving Greg, hopefully, heartedly and truthfully, and how much she just seems to love Greg, but also love Dan and loves the relationship between Greg and Dan. And, you know, again, a larger theme of my list is sort of a, the passion, but B also the love between different aspects of the show. So for me, that's my five. What do you got, Allie? So I don't even know if I have five, look at the pessimists in me, but in addition to what you guys have said, I have a few of them. I don't necessarily know. I haven't counted in my head if it's five or not. So one of them is when Billy goes to bat for Greg. It's always well in Greg's defense, no matter what the issue is. I think it happened today or yesterday. I don't know. It all gets a double, but it was just like everybody was like making fun of Greg and Billy's like, wait, wait, in Greg's defense, blah, 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 blah. Like he will go. He will ride hard for Greg no matter the situation. Another thing I like is that um, when the shipping container just grief eats itself, when someone messes up and they lose confidence in themselves, like when Chris did the metal arc yacht and did mid yacht and just lost it. And they Billy just attacked him and everybody was just laughing at him. Like, that's one of my favorite things is just when they basically compete against each other for who can mess up first and everybody just attacks that other person. Um, another one is when the Aminos basketball song comes on because it makes me miss Allison. 
the good old times of when Allison was on. Allison was such a, a treasure of that show. I miss her. Yay. All solid Optimism. hits. Thank you. Well, you inspired me for a couple other things. He, Billy does that with Poppy too. And that's always fun when he kind of just kind of eggs him on to like, keep on going down whatever road he's got. Aunt um, Stu's wife, when they would bring her on, that was, that was pretty phenomenal too, which only happened a, f- a few times, but it was, uh, it was pretty, it was pretty rock solid as well. I would agree. I would agree. When I well, think great. a lot of times, some of the ancillary characters, Poppy, Erlene, Stu's wife, which I'm blanking on her name at the moment. Um, I'm not Abby. sure why, but Ab, thank you. They just bring an element to the show, a, a different perspective than what you get hearing Billy and Chris and Mike and Roy, or not really Roy because he really talks. But when you hear the same people over and over and over again, when you get sort of a different voice that is in many ways just as knee deep in the show and everything that's going on and all the characters of the show, but it's not a it's not a voice you necessarily hear about. Also, what I like about just to hit one point that you talked about, Ali, with with Billy backing up Greg. I truly don't think Greg has a clue <laughs> that Billy is being so tongue in cheek with it. And he just seems genuinely happy. Thank you, Billy. And it's like, Greg, you do know he's making, but, but anyway, neither here nor that. I also like that right. sort of aspect. Again, leading back into the Billy chaos aspect. Greg loves it. It annoys Dan. It annoys Chris. It, it sort of hits multifacets of the show. So that that's it for me right now. I've got thoughts and observations, perhaps a rant later on, and maybe another topic. So when Mike was talking about his college baseball experience and trying whatever that atrocious concoction of a drink was ranch and whatever else mixed with a milkshake, it made me think, what's one like condiment or dressing or some out of this world kind of concoction that you would drink with milkshake type substance at a college baseball game would you try the ranch milkshake is there any other type of condiment that you would necessarily try because i don't think there's one out there for me maybe mayonnaise that might be it because it's so bland you might be able to mix it with whatever type of dairy product so you won't taste it and make like some weird aioli but thinking of ranch mixed with vanilla ice cream like i did the dan like kind of thing yeah, that's that's a dangerous combination, and you know, uh, being a being a big guy and not needing an awful lot of encouragement to try to eat anything that that has zero appeal to me. If I were to pick a condiment, though, to answer your question, if I had to put it in a milkshake and something that I think I could get down, I would go with something like a Texas Pete, a hot sauce. I, I would not go with a ranch or another you know, milk dairy based condiment. Cause again, that just kind of disgusts me. And it seems like you're going to be, you're going to be using a public restroom in an area. You don't want to be using a public restroom, doing things you don't want to do in a public restroom. So I want to take a step back and say, if I was Mike and I ordered a milkshake that was supposed to have a chicken wing and it didn't have a chicken wing, I would be screaming at the top of my lungs. Where the bleep is my chicken wing? Like, to me, when I heard what they were talking about, the part that was exciting was not the celery, which I can't stand, but it was the chicken wing aspect of it. The aspect of sort of having a wing and dipping it in ice cream seemed actually interesting enough that I would try. Um, I don't know that adding the ranch aspect made it remotely appealing, but I think 
meat with ice cream would be an interesting combination that I would certainly be up for trying. I think you'd have to go with a chicken or a pork, something more solid than necessarily like a burger or even a hot dog. I feel like it wouldn't work, but I feel like, you know, either rings or even like a couple of chicken drums could work with ice cream as a dip, as opposed to your traditional blue cheese or ranch. Bacon is like an underrated ice cream slash milkshake topping or an addition to candying your bacon with like brown sugar and then putting in ice cream is so good. So I wonder if maybe doing that to a chicken wing mixed with ice cream yeah, would I mean, be the same it, thing. You, it might be awful, but I certainly think the idea of it, I would be willing to try given that I eat, eat blue cheese or ranch. I think ice cream could be similar. I don't think, like I said, I wouldn't necessarily be interested in the carrots and the celery and the ranch with the ice cream. I just think it could be interesting to to try sort of, like I said, a meat with ice cream as the sort of condiment of choice to go on it. Well, one thing they did not mention, at least I don't recall, is the cost of that milkshake. I don't know if it's a $7 milkshake or a $15 milkshake. $15 or, you know, if it's a high dollar item, I'm like, Anna, where's my, where's my bleeping chicken wing. But other than that, I don't, I don't know that I would spend anything on it. Cause again, the thought of ranch flavored ice cream kind of curdles my stomach, but like you, Ann, if it didn't have the ranch or the blue cheese flavoring chicken wing, a little bit of ice cream, eh, we can make it work. I just think it could be, again, I'm usually up for trying slightly more off the wall stuff. I'm not a hot spicy kind of guy. So like, Hot sauces and things of that nature wouldn't necessarily interest me, but I just think it would be interesting to try meat with, you know, soft serve necessarily or something where you could really sort of dip it versus necessarily just a hard ice cream. So that's why milkshake with, with, I think, like I said, a chicken wing or a drumstick would certainly be different, but would be something I'd be willing to try. So now let's move this forward to a topic we sort of touched on last week, or at least touched on the idea of, um, I like to go around and get your, we got another top five this year, everyone, your top five actors. I'd like to throw it out, starting with you, Mayor, to give me, you know, a couple of actors that you really enjoy, and then we'll move on to Ali and uh, circle back. I'm going, I'm going through all mine, and then you can deal with it. Outside looking, but I'm going to do it quickly. Outside looking in, I've got Billy Bob Thornton and Jeff Daniels. My top five, I went out of my way to make sure we had uh, female representation, had a little diversity going here, but they are certainly worthy in my mind. Francis McDormand is my number five. Halle Berry is my number four. Tom Cruise is number three. Jamie Foxx is number two. Number one is Steve Martin. So, so I'll go also for me, I'll start number five. I'm going to go Samuel Jackson. So I'm going to move on to my number four. And I know that Stu doesn't really care for her and feels she's always a bridesmaid and never the bride. But for me, my number four would be Meryl Streep. Moving on from there. My number three would be Anthony Hopkins. My number two, Jack Nixon. And for me, my number one, 
is Tom Hanks. That's a good list. Solid. Solid. I'm going to try and bring our age bracket down a little bit. So <laughs> I have whatever the dude's name is who's in um, the Punisher show. He was in Fury. His name's like John Bernthal or something. He's has like darker complexion, darker hair. He's a fantastic actor. I don't know his name. He was in The Walking Dead for the first season. He played Shane. I can't remember his yeah, name. Yeah, I don't. It's like John Bernthal or something like that, but he's in the Punisher show and he was so good. So he's in my top five, even though I don't know his name. Fourth would be Cliff from Cheers. He's a voice actor and does like Ham from Toy Story. He's just in a lot of voice things for kids and i just really like his voice and it's very soothing and cliff clavin's one of my favorite characters all time in a tv show third he was young what happened huh you you were talking about the age bracket here we go and then number three is johnny depp love him on black mass recently he's been all over the place but he is a great actor one of my favorites Second is Will Smith, even though he slapped Chris Rock. I will watch anything that he is in, even though the movies recently are really bad. Um, Independence Day is probably my favorite movie outside of Back to the Future. And number one is Leo. Nobody's going to touch Leo. He's just so dreamy to look at, and he's such a great actor. And oh, By the way, John, John Ratzenberger played Cliff Clavin. Yeah, John Ratzenberger. I don't know who, who the Punisher guy is. Uh, it's John something. Is, it's John Bernthal. Yeah. Shows you how much I you retain gre- information. I have I have the memory of Smetty, same as Smetty. I don't you're remember the, anything. You're the Greg Cody of, of the group as it relates to watching movies. So before we wrap this up, we're going to jump back to Mayor. You had a couple of quick hits you wanted to uh, throw out here for us. I did. You know, one of the things uh, on Thursday, Tim Kirkchen was on. And of course, that's always... That's another segment I could never get enough of. I absolutely love Tim Kirkchen and made me feel even better later on knowing that they made him laugh and it kind of shared some of the backstory of some of the rougher times he's been having. And um, the fact that they brought him some laughter and some relief and a diversion from it made it feel that much better. But they were talking about batting stances and they went through an awful lot of them. There were three of them that I thought they left out, even though they did later on mention one of them, Jose Cruz had a very memorable batting stance, kind of hard to do the visual, but, you know, held his hands up high, big left-hander played for the Houston Astros. Pete Rose had a very unique batting style, crouched over, didn't matter which side of the plate. And Omar Moreno was the one that I'd come up with and typed it. And then later on, when they were talking about it, they basically added Omar Moreno. So there's, there's that Dan's strategy about hunting down a burglar, um, about have, about creeping through the house. Um, I don't know what your strategy is whenever you hear something that goes bump in the night and you have to go up and investigate. I have a handgun and I may brandish that as I walk around, but I've also got a baseball bat and that's what I'll do. I don't know. Do you guys have a particular strategy or a way you go about doing anything? I just handle it with my bare hands, just go around with my flashlight and looking everywhere. But I'm also the type of person that I'll check things three or four times over before, like I'll check to make sure the oven's off four times, all the lights are turned off four times, all the sinks are turned off four times. So if I hear something, I will go investigate it at least four times to figure out what that noise was. And then to make sure it's not doing it again. And then, oh, hey, I got to go to triple check. And you know what? Let's just do another fourth one for good measure. Cause I don't have any other, <laughs> just my hands and hope it's like, if it's my time, it's my time. If they want to kill me now, that's fine. 
It's it's it, it was a good run. Well, and you've got younger kids in the house, not infants or anything, but you've got kids. So you never know if somebody's gotten up to wander out in the middle of the night or had to, you know, maybe didn't go before they went to bed and had to go in the middle of the night. What is what is your strategy when you hear something go bump on your wife says, hey, go find out what that was? Well, it's funny that you say it the way you said it, because I tend to not care. <laughs> I t- And what I mean by that is not that I won't go investigate, but like my wife's going to be like, go see what that was. Really? Go see what that was. Fine. Because otherwise, uh, I mean, like, I don't know. I don't have a death wish. I, but I also feel like I've worked hard to live in a neighborhood where I'm less likely to have to worry about that stuff. But don't get me wrong. It happens everywhere. So, you know, I know I'm not necessarily oblivious, but I tend to be just like, oh, come on, really? All right, fine. I'll fine. I'll go check. And then, and then once my wife's like, get out of bed, go check it. I usually will, you know, I don't necessarily have anything. I don't own any guns, but I certainly will have something with me. Um, I think one of my favorites is a baseball bat that I got as a kid at Yankee stadium for bat day, which I think back to God used to give everyone under 18, a bat at a ball game. What the heck were we thinking? But anyway, neither here nor there. So that usually tends to be my accompaniment of choice. But I also know at the end of the day, similar to Ali's thoughts, if it's my time, it's my time. And, you know, I mean, yeah, maybe I care a little more having young kids, but I also not to be morbid, but if someone's coming for me and they've got enough bullets in their gun, you know, I'll take the first two and then the rest of my family will get the next five. I, you know, I'm, I'm so, I mean, like now I'll do my best, but I also, you know, you know, I haven't gone down the path of necessarily worrying about it. 100%. You know, most of the time it doesn't require my wife two or three times. We're like, no, go check and see what that was. The bat that I walk around the house with is actually a miniature bat from a Braves game. And Brian McCann's uh, autograph is on that. So that there's a show relation. There is uh, the, the keeper of all the rules in baseball, Brian McCann. Uh, he's carrying around. I'm carrying around the stick with, with that man on, on the bat. That's intimidating enough as it is. Yeah. I have a Louisville slugger like from the actual factory that in case that that's my go-to not knives, not any other thing that bat. You just got to dig for it in my closet full of kid toys. It's great. That's funny. Make right. sure or, that comes or, with you. Yeah, or I'll, or I'll send my 14-pound Bichon Frise that barks at if a hair is out of place. He will bark at anything. So, hey, if you're trying to get us, like you're going to get the wrath of a 14-pound dog that just will bite your, na- bite your ankles off. It's a good alarm system, the dog that Absolutely. barks at everything. One of the lines of the week, I think, if, if I'm going to like rank lines of the week, which I'm not going to do, but I'm just going to tell you what number one is this week. When they were talking about Tuanon and how passionate the fans, the Dolphin fans are for Tuanon, Vertua, and they refer to it as Tuanon, Witty came up with a line and said they should be called Tuhovis Witnesses because they are so persistent and they never stop. I thought that was, well, it was Witty on a number of levels. I thought that was great. <laughs> Uh, a couple of other things on Wednesday in hour number one, uh, they talked about, they were talking about waving at people and I'm a serial waiver, partly because I'm an elected official and I'm just kind of a friendly guy. I don't know if you, what your strategy is, but I, I spend most of my time just waving at people because they make eye contact with me and I feel like I've got to wave at them. Thoughts? One word answer. Al, are you a waiver? Yes or no? 
No, I'm a head nodder. Like a. Gotcha. And I would say I'm I'm more of a waver than a head nodder. Okay. Um, and I would also say I'm sort of a serial. I say hello to everybody kind of kind of person because that's just who I am. Okay. A couple other thoughts and observations before I throw it back to you. Um, Mike Ryan did, on Wednesday's local hour was, uh, first of all, he, I'm going to be a little critical just at a level. Of <gasps> I, I, let's, Not here. I've got, I, I've got, a vocabulary that sometimes is is sailorish and potty mouth. So it's not that I'm a prude, but the one thing I'm not a big fan of is the old GD. I'm just, I don't, I don't roll with that. And man, Mike today on his little rant was throwing them out. Like they were M&Ms, man. They were just everywhere. And I was like, I love the rant. I love the bit that he was doing, but just the fact that that was thrown in there at the end of it, he said he wanted to start a new leaf. They took a vote and I, I, I'm going to vote yes, Mike. Turn over a new leaf. What a better way to do that is in starting over in a new lease, a new lease on life and just starting it all over again, a positive interaction with your fans. And so I will make the formal, what a better way to roll out than to come on the midweek mentions. And I'll extend that invitation. I may even send a, I'll send him a DM and we'll go about that way. And so we'll see if the new Mike Ryan, who's starting a new leaf, wants a fresh start. Let's just fresh start it right here on midweek mentions. I think it's a great first way to go. My final thought of the day is the golf tournament, the live golf tournament. They talked a little bit about Uh, afternoon uh, this, this afternoon on Wednesday, Patrick Reed was added to the list of people that was going to be joining the live tour and leaving the PGA. Patrick Reed is uh, he's a Georgia guy and not really well liked, or he was at Georgia for a period of time and, not really well liked by a number of fellow UGA golfers for certain things. I guess I know what they are, but I can't really get into them here because it's some of it's not even been aired before, but the he's also been accused of cheating. And so here he is on a tour that's funded by the Saudi Arabians. What do you think the Saudis are going to do to his cheat ass when he gets out there on the course and tries to pull some of this stuff that's not in the rules? They don't take too kindly. They don't do slap on the wrist. We'll just see what happens. Good luck there, Patrick, and good riddance, by the way. Yeah, a little chop off the wrist. More yeah. like it. So I don't know if it's just me who's just oblivious to it, but I legit thought they were playing in Saudi Arabia for the entire league. I did not know that most of the matches are in the United States. And two of them are at Trump golf courses. That blew my mind when I looked into it because I just thought they were religious. Really just it was a Saudi Arabian league and they were just gonna play there. And just highlight their matches. It didn't really dawn on me till doing the research that, oh, hey, they're actually going to play in Miami at the end of October. Well, here's the difficult part of all this. And again, I know the show has taken an awful lot of time talking about the the moral code and where that money's coming from. And, you know, you can make your judgments whether it's right or wrong. Certainly there's atrocities. Uh, there's atrocities everywhere. And I'm not, I am certainly not excusing it, but I think David Sampson did a great job on his podcast talking about let's, let me give you an example right now. What if the live tour came to us and said, Hey, midweek matches, we want you guys to be the official podcast of the live tour. And we're going to pay you $20 million a year to do it. Are you going to say, Oh no, I'm not taking that money. Or are you going to say, Hmm, here's an opportunity to totally change my life's financial situation. Yeah. And we've, we've had these conversations before, like in our 
episode we have with Smetty, I asked her about the sports washing situation that Formula One has when it comes to racing in Saudi Arabia. I mean, hell, the Houthis just attacked the Aramco facilities while the drivers were there doing practice and people are still going to watch and you can say and do all you want. Like for, like for me, it's like, what change can I provide? Zero. I have zero power, zero influence in the matter. And of course, I'm going to take that money in, in a heartbeat. I'm not in charge. I'm not in power. I could say I'm not going to watch this, but in reality, my lone choice isn't going to make a difference. I'm, I have no power, no influence in it. So I'm going to try and provide for my family. And it's unfortunate that we're in this situation, but it's just how the world is now. And we can try our best to promote and try to be the change we wish to see. But in reality, it's just not in the cards anymore. And it's just an unfortunate reality. So I'm going to take a different stance for a moment. If I was the PGA Tour, I would tell any golfer, you go to one of those tournaments and you can kick rocks and don't ever try to come back. I know the Masters sort of decides who gets to play the Masters, but I would say, nope, once you go, you're gone for good. So I hope you enjoy the blood money. And I would say that publicly to anybody who stuck a microphone in my in my face. That's what not, the- that the, not that the PGA Tour is in any way the model for the correct way to do stuff. I just think I don't know why you would let your product be diluted by another organization without necessarily trying to take a stand. And that, you know, earlier on Wednesday, there was a ruling, I guess the, the open championship, the U S open is going to allow players who have performed and live to be in the U S open. Now that's not part of the PGA, but neither is the British open or the open as they now call it or the master. So three of the four majors are not necessarily PGA tour events, so they can draw those guys if they want to. What will be interesting is how have those lines been drawn or what are these golfers that have gone over there playing the live tour? How are they going to be received by the other players who did not go over and play and they were chose not to, and had the opportunity to, and of course, some of the guys that didn't have an opportunity to go over there and play. That's, what's going to be very interesting. If you get a matchup where you get two guys, or if there's any kind of level of animosity towards the players like Dustin Johnson, that's uh, going over there and playing. And I also wonder as an aside to that is how the fans going to receive this. Are the fans going to say, who cares? I want to see the top 10 golfers on my TV on Sunday, or they're going to say, I would rather not because in some ways, if you had the top 10 golfers or you had golfers 11 to 20, many people, not everyone, but many golf fans would be just as happy or be able to enjoy event X, Y, and Z sort of just as well. You know, you're not going to get Tiger going over there necessarily. You're going to still have Tiger for whatever he's got left. Um, And you'll have some level of some top players who still want to do the PGA events, not necessarily just the four majors. They'll boo Dustin Johnson off the first tee, but if he's you know, five ahead of the field on 18 and he's walking up to win, they'll be screaming his name and cheering for him. And Paulina. So that's going to do it for this week. Thank you very much for joining us. Quick around the horn. Mayor Matt, where can we find you on social media? You can find me diligently working in the city of Cartersville and you can find me on Twitter at Santini Matt. 
And Ali, what about you? Where can we find you at least for the next couple of months till you move down to Florida and we never see you again? Repairing my sliced hand from cleaning behind my refrigerator. Hey, people, don't do that. It's not worth it because then you like hit your fan and then it breaks your freezer and then you have to go behind your fridge and repair the freezer and then you slice your hand on the fan that wasn't going because you tried to clean it. Yeah, just don't do it. So we can find you at an emergency care center near us? Yes, at your local urgent care. (laughs) And I am Ant at Steiner on Twitter. Thank you for listening to Midweek Mentions. Please check out the other offerings from Lower After Hours. We have Post Post Game, Laughter the Club, and of course, Cinema. On the next Cinema, we talk Tom Cruise and the original Top Gun. I think it's a great listen, and you'll enjoy it. So check it out. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lauer After Hours. You can always reach us on Twitter at Lauer After Hours or Instagram at Lauer After Hours. We're available wherever you get podcasts, so don't forget to download, subscribe, review, and rate five stars.